Shades of a black boy, of a black boy, of a black boy rainbow. A little bit of this and that boy, this and that boy, of a black boy rainbow. Shades of a black boy, of a black boy, of a black boy rainbow. Black, queer, unapologetic. Shades of a, shades of a, shades of a, shades of a black boy rainbow. All right. Welcome to another episode of Shades of a Black Boy Rainbow. I'm Jojo, I'm your host, and I have my friend Eddie here with me today. We're going to talk about a couple of different things coming out, interracial dating, dating perceptions, and racial preferences and things like that. Hi, Eddie. Hello. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. came over to, to you know make this happen, so let's do it. Okay, cool. So I'm not going to be like Wendy Williams up here, so I'm not going to be asking you a bunch of prying questions, but where did you grow up? I would say I grew up in Oakland, in the hood, basically, right? Mm. But I was born in Fresno, so mm. I have some experience there. My first five years of my life, I uh, was in Fresno, California, mm-hmm. but was sort of swept out of that real quick. Mm-hmm. And then spent most of my life from probably from, I think I'd say six to graduate, till I went to college mm-hmm. and uh, pretty interesting experience. Uh, grew up it's sort of in East Oakland through uh, in the area. Well, let me start. Let me get this right. It's, it's, this weird, it's just this weird experience where, like, now I know that I'm being recorded. Yeah. And it's like, it has this, like, effect on me. So it's no, really funny. It, it's good. You're, so, like, the first person I'm doing this with. So, like, if you need to take, we're drinking. We're drinking, like, Truly's Fruit Punch. Yeah, trying to get the, you know, it's, it's this interesting uh, experience when you're, like, you have all these things to say. But then, and then there's, like, you know, once that, that, uh, it starts recording. You're like, oh shit! Everyone's watching. Everyone's listening, and what they say. And it's like this, it's like this, this sort of imaginary audience there that's already looking at, staring at you, and they're like, God damn it! <laughs> but you know, but this is interesting. I'm glad we're doing it, and so you know, I want to, I want to get, I want to have this conversation with you. Yeah. I mean, we've been trying to do this for a minute. Yeah, we've been trying to. Do it for we've a been like, I what? This is gonna be episode four, and I like posted episode one, and then like completely fell off. Like afterwards, like just fucking life shit, you know? And so like, I'm glad there was enough to just chill, you know, take a drink if you need it. Yeah. And and that it's been like every day I'm like, shit, I should I should let him know. <laughs> but now I'm ready to do this. I gotta do this. But I mean I kinda yeah. ghosted you too. <laughs> I ghosted everybody. It's it's all right. We all got things to do. We had things to do. I had things to do. Yeah. But at some point I was like, this this has to happen. We have to have these conversations with these folks, with these people out there listening. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so it's true. People don't talk about this uh, shit like like, I mean, I feel like a lot of shit gets swept under the rug. You know what I mean? And I mean, I think the more of this kind of stuff that happens, more of these kind of conversations that take place, yeah. the more sort of breadth, breadth of, of, of experiences that people like us can have, right? You mm-hmm. know, we have this on television, whatever experience you have, there's this sort of, the tends to be, I think, although it, I don't think it's changing now, mm-hmm. but there's sort of this sort of homogenous experience on television, on, yeah. on in film. And, and I think that, you know, having something as simple as this, mm-hmm can help sort of add diversity to that experience that people can sort of latch onto and relate to in terms of experiences mm-hmm. or whatever, however they want to choose to relate. And I think, you know, podcasts have become a pretty big thing. Yeah. So this is a great, great opportunity. Yeah. But, but going back to, to where I'm from, I'm from Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent most of my life there. I'd say this, this significant portion of my childhood has been living in the street, <laughs> essentially yeah. in the streets of Oakland. Like that's yeah. the way to put it. Mm-hmm. I remember my little dirty ass hands, like my shirt was all, you know, full of mud and shit, hiding, hiding under cars, playing tag. <laughs> You know, as soon as the lights came on, you were, you were like having a good ass time outside. And then yeah. as soon as the lights came on, I was like, get your ass inside. See, my parents wouldn't go for that shit. I grew up in Richmond. 
and they was not having it. Like the sun goes down and get your ass inside. No street lights, not nothing. Once the sun starts to set, like get your ass in the house. And we wasn't allowed to leave the block. I used to be so mad. I'd be like, it's fine, it's fine. But then, <laughs> then trust me, there are plenty of times we've, we've been, I remember the, there's so many instances where we, we've, we've been, you know, we, we escaped danger, like mm-hmm. within minutes or within, you know, within, you know, certain situations. If we've been there any longer, we could have been, could have been trouble for us. Yeah. There was one time we were in my, in my living room and uh, it was me, my brother and one of my friends. And we were just sort of watching TV. One of my friends was like, we had a cow, we had those bay windows. You know what I'm talking about? The bay windows that had like, there was like half a hexagon yeah. in, the, in the front. Mm-hmm. So we had our couch against that. And we had like the, cur- the curtains were down. There were some shitty ass curtains, <laughs> rattly ass windows. Like these. The fucking, those are ugly, ugly ass curtains. Yeah, right. They're kind of cute. Uh, they not, you don't got to lie. They're like sheer and, and, and tan. <laughs> they got nice little frills. It's, it's a, it's a pseudo classy, you know, I think, I think, I think you guys can appreciate it. But anyway, so the, the, there's these curtains just sort of hanging behind the couch, sort of like, you know, dirty as fuck and, and just a mess overall. And my friend was lying on the couch and uh, we had a coffee table. Me and my brother were sitting on the coffee table sort of watching TV. Mm-hmm. And then we just, uh, I remember hearing this like, crack, 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 crack. And we like, you know, the natural tendency for, you know, anyone who hasn't experienced gunshots yeah. is to hit the floor. Right. So that wasn't our response. You were cool with it? Our, no, we were like giggling, running to the windows to see what was going to happen, what, the fuck? what we were going to see go down. And as soon as we run to that window, my friend Mario gets up. And as soon as he gets up to look over the, the back of the couch, the, mm-hmm. the curtain goes poof into the air. Oh, no. The curtain shoots into the air. And then the ceiling just starts raining plaster. What the fuck? And that's when we got spooked. And then we like hit the ground, started crawling. But while we're crawling, yeah. like through that plaster snow, because a bullet went through our window. Oh, and hit hit the the roof. We're like giggling and like laughing at the idea that like we're we're running from the from the the, the gunshot, the violence, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But it's just it is interesting that looking back on that experience in particular is like, why do we find that funny? Why was that? Why had we like managed to successfully remove all of the fear and the danger and the trauma associated with that experience and make it something funny and hilarious? And yeah. it, it, it was so bizarre thinking about it now. But we went back to the to my mom's room and she heard it and she like we called the, the police. But that was kind of something that like happened all the time. Mm-hmm. We were on the end of a, a cul-de-sac, not a cul-de-sac. It was just, it was just the dead end that, that that ended on a in a park. Yeah, and the park was just this this breeding ground for gang violence. There was, and it wasn't it wasn't like it's Oakland. It's so always you, the fucking park, though. Yeah, and so you mm-hmm. you think like you know what what do you you know it was it was the people from Sel- the El Salvador mm-hmm. and and Mexicans. There were these rival gangs that just perpetually were at each other's throat, literally. What are you, by the way? I'm Mexican, but okay. the funny thing is that. When I first people, I was asking people like, "What do you think I am?" Yeah, and they just give me a, like a shitload of, of responses. They're I like, just ask. No, I know, and I, and I, and I, just thought, I like at some point, like, and this is interesting conversation too because because when I, growing up, I had I didn't speak Spanish, mm-hmm. so and I look Mexican or I look I'm brown, brown as fuck. Yeah, and so I had an identity issue there, identity crisis there because like I went to school with black folks and I went to school with with Latinos, mm-hmm. and they all spoke Spanish. They were they were as like as Mexican as you you know perceive them to be yeah. in my mind at growing up like and I was just sort of this outsider in, in that community that and I couldn't communicate with them I couldn't and, you know culturally we were completely separate because you know I'm I'm actually fifth generation Mexican so my family okay. came from Texas all the way and made their way to, to Fresno mm-hmm. so by by the fifth generation we're like we're assimilated we're like we, we, we don't speak Spanish and like yeah. through that process this a strategy of our family was like don't speak Spanish in public. Don't like my grandmother said that. And my, mm-hmm. my dad, they were, they were taught not to speak Spanish because they would get their ass kicked. Right. Yeah. 
So that strategy to save them now has become like, uh, you know, a detriment to me in, yeah. in, in terms of, you know, my experience, like what, as an asset, like speaking a, a second language could be an asset for me. It also yeah. could have opened my, you know, my life to the, the cultural experiences of my, a little more. Right? Obviously, I'm Mexican. I, have, I take part in a lot of the Mexican traditions, right. but I could have went even further, could have got a richer understanding, could have, could have been a better, a more, a larger part of my identity. Mm -hmm. But because of that, you know, that's kind of the thing, but going back to like school, you know, that was the barrier there. So I kind of identified more with the black folks in school. And mm -hmm. so like, you know, even, even now, like that's kind of who I feel like I am more so yeah. than, than Latinos. Like, yeah. I've seen you twerk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, this is, this is, these are my people, <laughs> but these are my people. So, but it's like, it was always this weird thing. And then, because I didn't speak Spanish, the Mexicans would be like, this boy is Indian. And mm -hmm. like, in, there's nothing wrong with being Indian, right? They're yeah. beautiful people. Right. But as a child, you're like, ooh, Indian, being Indian is bad. The way they say, the way they say it to you, the way they, the way they like try to categorize you, it's bad. Yeah. And so when people would say that, like, you know, after, after high school and into college, it would just affect me negatively for mm -hmm. a long time. Be like, oh, this boy's Indian. I'm like, no, I'm not Indian. Right. Like, like what, you know, but after a while, you know, through college and like, you know, and up to this point today, it's like, you know, because of, you know, I know, I know who I am and I like, mm -hmm. I, I love, you know, I love who I am. Mm -hmm. When people tell me that, it's like, that's great. Like there are beautiful people. Like I, it, you know, the fact that I'm not identifiable, I, I you know, feels kind of exotic, right? It's yeah. like, they can't pin, pin down what I am. So it's kind of like a cool thing that I've, I've sort of turned around mm -hmm. and kind of embraced now. And, and so I sort of play that game now. I'm like, you know, well, what do you think I am? And then people will say Indian, they'll say Arab, they'll say Filipino, they'll say Italian, they'll say like, they'll say everything. And which is always interesting to hear because it's like, yeah, the people don't know what I am. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it keeps them on their toes. And that's funny. Do you feel like, because I, I didn't go to college or any of that stuff, but I know for me, like I've had experience where people are like, oh, you know, you talk like a white person or all that, like you're not black enough, things like that. And do you feel like Latinos, because you don't speak Spanish, do they like come after you or have they come after you like in the past? Like, oh, like you're whitewashed or something like that. So I'm going to be honest with you, like, I don't know, school has just come naturally. I love school. Like yeah. I was, I was a teacher's pet. Like that was my thing. I, I like, I hate it. And also, and on top of that, like I'm from Oakland. I was like, I fucking hate this place. I'm getting the fuck out of here. And what is my strategy out here? Do well in school and get the fuck out. My strategy was, well, I was that kid that I was smart, but I hated school. Like my sister always said, my older sister, she was always like, you're smart, but you just don't like to apply yourself or whatever they say. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I never did homework. Like I only did enough homework. Like I would calculate. I would calculate like how much like each assignment was worth. And then I would only do enough to get a B. And then everything, like I had 53 missing assignments one time. And my dad was so mad, but I was like, I have a B in the class. He's like, you could have an A. And I was like, yeah, but I still have like a good B in the class. That's a clear right there. That's a sound that's a genius right there. Like you're, you're applying strategies and it's, and the, and the idea I think over is, is work smarter, not harder. Yeah. Well, I, tr I tried to go to college. Like I did two years. I like played baseball for like one year and then I went into the army. So like school was not for me. But, and it, you yeah. know, and I think that that that's the, that's totally that can be the case. That totally should be accepted and acknowledged as as you know, it's not for everyone in the sense of like you know, if your brain doesn't operate that way, or you or mm. if it's just you know, if, if you're doing it, going through the motions, that's a problem too, right? It's mm -hmm. like who are you doing that for? Mm -hmm. And you're gonna you're gonna be in debt. Like this is gonna be in debt. So well, you gotta, you, you gotta figure it out. You gotta figure it out, right? Because <laughs> yeah. you better be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Worth it. But like, but you know, going back to that, like you know, I I think I was. I'm pretty sure I was. <laughs> I mean, it's not saying much because it's, you know, it's, it's Oakland Unified School District, but mm -hmm. I was like, in most of my classes, I was like the top performing student. Yeah. And I was valedictorian in high mm -hmm. school. And so they're, you know, definitely a teacher's pad, but it was also like when I spoke to people because I didn't have an accent, I didn't have mm -hmm. a, uh, like a Spanish accent mm -hmm. or I didn't, I didn't really have like, you know, you, you have like a, 
a hood accent, but like you, you just you know at some point like I mean you it you, just happens. You yeah, and yeah. by comparison to to the people in my class, they were like, damn, why you talk like that? Why you why you talk so white? And it gets frustrating. It gets it's you annoying. get and it's like, and then you can't sit there and be like, do you realize how problematic that is? Like even as a goddamn like fifth grader, I'm like, do you realize mm-hmm. how dumb that sounds? But what it means yeah. that in order to if you're going to sound, you know, like you can have a conversation, like you can express yourself, like you can be articulate, mm-hmm. all those positive things about being able to communicate who you are to any individual, that all is the property or attributed to being white. Right. Because you associate it with someone else's identity, you can never, if you, unless you assume someone else's identity, you can never really enjoy those things. You just set yourself up for like this weird experience where you're going to rebel against something that could be pretty helpful for you to navigate your life. And I feel like, I mean, in addition to that, because you're associating like, oh, you speak this way, you know, using all these, you know, these words and you're elevate, elevating like white people on like putting them on a pedestal of like, oh, they're the only people who talk this way. We should enjoy those things or, or, right, or like, and, like or be have, praised for those things. Right. Like have like a big vocabulary. Like, oh, like, I mean, my friend, he made a, he made a joke. Chris, if you're listening to this, like, whatever. <laughs> he, was, he was like, oh, like, yeah, we're going to come visit you in your Caucasian home. I'm like, bitch. Like, why I got to be a White House? Like, I don't understand. Like, people make jokes and stuff about that because it's, I don't know. Granted, sometimes it's funny, but there's also, like, stereotypes that go into white people, too, that, like, if a person of color does it, it's like, oh, like, why are you being, like, a white person? And I'm like, no, I'm just being, a like, a person, you know? Like, I don't know. It's not, I don't think it's fair. I mean, and it's probably, I mean, I'm not in high school anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. I just got out, you know. <laughs> but I'm sure that shit is still happening on a certain level mm-hmm. in a way that we probably don't understand now with, with social media. Like, worse. yeah, I can't even begin to understand what it means, what, what identity, sorry, excuse me, how identity, you know, how identity is shaped when you have all these external factors, all these external validation requirements, like all that stuff that, that goes into to social media and communicating that way and being a part of that sort of virtual world. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine how that incorporates, how that is impacting the kids in a way that they, we probably don't know yet, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, not to say that, like, not to be one of those people like, oh, my generation this, my generation that, because right. um, that's... You I, that all yet. I, 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 I never <laughs> want, I just like, I, hope, I, I honestly hope I never, I'm at that point, because when I hear it, it, just, my day. it, it just bo- it bothers me, because it's like, they have, because like, they have these rose-colored glasses, or they, or, or they can, they can romanticize their experiences from the past, but I'm sure when you, when you go back to it, like, you know, your life was not that hard or was or you did not you know walk two miles in the snow whatever it is that you say you do right you did not do that yeah. you know and you can you, you know you re- recollect you know you, you're, you're mixing things up but i think it's something that also to be said about because my, my parents are in their 60s and they have like a lot of old ways of thinking about different things like i'm going to talk about this in a previous episode too but their older way of thinking like they never really like move it forward you know like with the times so and at one point does your i feel like i think about that all the time at one point does your brain just stop trying to to progress in terms of understanding the society that you're a part of yeah at some point you just give up and you check out mm-hmm. i think that with some of my family members i see them like why is there this you know and i think you know your perception I, there's i feel like there's this period of time in your life where you as an adult where you sort of take a snapshot of the way things are mm-hmm. you're, you're young your life is gray you're happy you have promise and you have i think you just sort of that's where your mind stays and it slowly shifts away from where society is mm-hmm. and like the further and further you get from where you were or you know the way that life was society as a whole was at that time the further and further you get away from it the more and more frustrated or upset you get because of how different it is now yeah but i feel like once you recognize that like every generation is rebelling against the previous like then you know that it's going to be different and you and you sometimes don't have to understand why they're doing what they're doing or or understand that how you felt that mindset you're rebelling against the previous generation they're doing that too and, and you can find 
you know, commonality in that with these yeah. individuals across generations. I feel like people just don't make an effort to do it. Mm-hmm. And those are the ones who are vocal about like, they're, they, especially the big thing is people are upset about sort of the whole, the sort of blossoming of gender identity, right? Yeah. It's just, it's not that it's, it's a new thing. It's just that now that people finally have words for it, they can yeah. finally appropriately describe who they are, how they feel. Mm-hmm. Like it's a great experience to be able to put a, put your, you know, put a, a word on something and, yeah. and be able to like, wow, that's what that means. Now I know how to describe how I feel or, you know, this whole time, like this is, this word is so important to me now. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, th- th- that development can be like, may turn into something terrible by, by, you know, by generations previous who don't understand that this was a great thing that's happening, mm-hmm. you know? And I hope that I don't find myself saying like, oh, my generation is and my generation that. <laughs> I just hope, I hope that I, I try to be as understanding mm-hmm. of those that come after me as much, even with music. Yeah. I worry about that, with, you know, music is like, oh, music, you know, I, I listen to music now and like I look, listen to the, like the stuff that's coming out and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm like, okay, w- you know, do I have to understand this? Do we, you know, what does it mean like to, yeah. to enjoy this kind of music? I mean, we was at like kickball practice today and we we're listening to Lauren Hill and Aaliyah. <laughs> and then I come home and I'm listening to like Cardi B and Lizzo. Like I just, you know, like I love everything, but like it's generational stuff. Like if, if I was to, you know, talk to my parents about somebody who's like non-binary, they would never, ever, ever understand. Like, wait, what? They don't, they don't understand that. Like they, they would never get that. I mean, let, let's like pivot to like the coming out stuff because yeah. I feel like that, that kind of ties in yeah, to a lot of stuff. And like, how like are your parents like 50s, 60s? Well, my mother is turning. Well, she probably doesn't want me to tell you this, but she, she's gener- hit the generation. She, she's, she, well, she's only 16 years older than me. Okay. So okay. she's pretty young. Okay, okay. And my dad is 55. Okay. So he's not much older than not much older than her. Okay. And, you know, growing up where I went, I had this whole, I had created this whole story about how detrimental coming out was going to be to, to me. Yeah. Based on. And you also grew up in the hood. Yeah. So yeah. what I, what it was, all that, that context, that backdrop, what it meant, I, I, I incorporated that into my like, calculus about when i come out this is going to happen these, these people are going to reject me these people mm-hmm. this is going to happen i'm going to be in danger for these reasons mm-hmm. and i think i did a little too much over calculating of that uh, in that way like mm-hmm. especially with my immediate family i think i didn't give them enough credit i think i had i had assumed written them off as you know my dad was going to be this you know was going to be upset about it and, and and angry and 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 my brothers were going to like make fun of me for forever yeah and my where mother, do you fall in like the sibling line i'm the oldest i okay. have i it's, it's me i have a brother who is a year and a half younger than me. And then I have a stepbrother who's also a year and a half younger than me. And my youngest sister is five years. Okay. Five years younger than me. So the oldest. And so it was, it was, that was also interesting as a part of it too. But honestly, my coming out story is kind of great. I kind of love my story. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it was a a pleasant surprise because of how I had, how I assumed things were going to play out. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it started when I, when I went to college, I went to college and I was like, you know what, I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to come out here. This is what I'm going to do it. So you came out like what, 18, I, I came out at 18 okay. and, and I was like, let's, let's try it. Let's just, this is my opportunity to, to be who I am, who I want to be. Like I can, I can be, I can shape my identity here mm-hmm. because you know, it's no, I don't know anyone. So I, I came out there and, and it, the only issue that I had there was as I was, <laughs> I would introduce myself to people. Didn't give a shit about being gay. Yeah. I would introduce myself as Edward. They were like, <laughs> okay, no, Edward, like, Edward. no, okay. We're, <laughs> we're done with that. We're done with this. We're not calling you Edward. Your name is Eddie. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Why am I not called Eddie? Like, why didn't I ever do that? Cause my, my parents don't call me Eddie. When they I, call you Edward? when I came, no, well, sometimes. And then when I came back, they would hear people call me and they'd be like, they're like, who the fuck is Eddie? And I was like, oh, that's what people call me. They're like, you're Ed. Like, okay. You're Ed or, or, or Edward. Like they would call me Edward. Like they were, I don't know. I think it's probably cause you know, going back to like, 
from basically as old as I could recognize it to the point that I left for college, I had to do everything I could to minimize any indication that I was, that I was gay Mm -hmm. in my mind. Right. So like you just become this drone, this like mopey depressed, like non-personality having kind of thing. And I think that that's kind of who they thought I was. Yeah. And so, and you know, my mother said that she said that she's like, I just like looking back, you were just, you were just this such this unhappy teenager and you know, and little did they know that I was sort of dealing with these internal struggles on a daily basis, right? As every gay person does, Mm -hmm. or at least most, I think. And then, so, oh, the experience was different. So then I like decided to, to go to college, went out, came out there and like, had my first boyfriend there and I was like, Oh my God, this is what it means to be in love. Like it was just like, it was, it wasn't love. It was obviously like this like lusty infatuation thing, thing about yeah. with, with someone. And, yeah. and we can get into that too later, which we should. And it was because I was like, it was, he was this really cute white boy. And, mm-hmm. and it had said as a gay man, you had these ideas of what it meant to like have a boyfriend. You idealized that boyfriend and, and he kind of matched what we were told to value. Right. So it was kind of like the spot on, mm-hmm. which like really, that was like an issue, but uh, we can come back to that. Uh, but then I had, uh, Started dating someone else who was a much more sensible person, although he was the product of two psychiatrists. Both his parents were psychiatrists. Oh no! So he was kind of neurotic himself, which yeah. I appreciated. And so, but he was very helpful at helping me become the value who I was. And like, so that was a great experience. But then, so, but but and so that was kind of the justification for like, all right, this is my senior year. Mm-hmm. My parents are coming up. I do not want to introduce this person as my friend. Right. I can't do that. Right. Because he's been so meaningful to me for the past two years. Hold up. <laughs> So you went to college, you came out in college, but you came out at college to college people. Yeah, which but, to my, in my mind, that was like, they don't know who the fuck I am. What is that? It doesn't mean anything. Right, it right? doesn't matter. But yeah. your parents still didn't know. They didn't know for four years. Oh, shit. So I was over there. And, they, and like, I had pictures of my, my girlfriend, like friends who were girls. And they were like, yeah. she's so cute. Is she your girlfriend? I'm like, no, nah, she's just a friend. I don't know. Uh-huh. At some point, I was just like, I didn't say no. Like, I wasn't saying yes, but I wasn't saying no. I was like, if you want to think that about this girl, go ahead. You have, you just have, let them believe like, whatever they want to believe. Develop the whole, like, develop our, you know, go through our marriage, our children, our, like, the whole life you already got going through your head. Go ahead and do that. But that's not the case. And so I decided during my spring break of my my senior year that I was going to, at, at home, I was going to tell my mother, I'll just tell my mother. And then I'll run back to college. And then I'll be like, when they come back, I'll tell them all. Mm-hmm. And so I went down and... Me and my mom spent a lot of time together because everyone was at school or at work. And my mother was a bus driver. So she had a lot of time to be in between her work uh, when she was working, when she wasn't working yeah. uh, to just sort of hang out. And, and so every time we'd go somewhere and we were alone and like that opportunity would present itself. Like it's like, this is an opportunity where you can tell her. I would just start shaking and I'll get like sweaty and scared. And then, and then the moment would pass. And then I would, we would be on our way to the gym and I'm like, holy shit, this is, I can tell it right here where it's just us in the car and I would get nervous and then I would start getting sweaty and shaky again and the moment would pass. And this happened over and over and over and it was torture. So I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to tell her. And I literally did in the worst way. And I was like, wasn't looking at it. I was like, hey mom, I have something I want to tell you. She's like, what? And I was like, I could feel myself. Oh, and I, was no. like, I was like, I'm gay. Did you yell it like Yeah, I was like, I'm gay. <laughs> and then she was like, I like, didn't look at it for a second. And then I looked at her and she's like, she was like, looked at me, smiled. She's like, I know. I was waiting for you to tell me. I feel like moms know. Yeah. Like, I, I never actually told my mom, but I feel like she knows. Yeah. I mean, like, we don't talk. I mean, we don't talk about it. I told my dad, but obviously parents talk. You know what I mean? The, yeah. I mean, that, uh, there's something, the communication happened there that they're, they're working it out together to like, to, at some point, you, you know, are you going to tell? Are you going to, are you going to like, what's you your tell my mom? Yeah. I mean, I've brought like dudes around and we just never talk about it. Like I have gay like cousins, like I have cousins that are, well, I have cousins that are lesbians. I don't have like cousins that are like gay men. Well, I actually have one. 
Um, but I, I never see him. But and my mom never sees him either. But we we just don't talk about it. But like I, I would bring dudes over, but they hated every dude. Like this one dude. They, <laughs> why did that? Why did they hate him though? Was it because of the the gay thing, or was it because I don't like his personality? He don't got he don't got values. He don't got goals. He don't have a job. I think that they just have this idea in their head of like the person that they want to see me with, and so and she has a vagina. Uh, uh, well, I well, side note, my dad. So my dad came over here, and he was talking about like oh, like you bought your house and blah blah blah. And um, he's like, yeah, like, you know, good thing is like you bought it because, you know, if if you get married, like she can't take, I'm like, she, it's like, you ain't talking about no she. <laughs> like, like, I was like, I guess he forgot. Like, yeah, I, like, I don't know. Forget, or like, like, he's still hoping. You're like, oh boy, now, uh, maybe that was like a. Or a slip, I don't know. Or maybe he was like, Let me, you know, are you still on that? Is that your thing? Still, you still doing that? I mean, I wasn't going to bring it up. It was like, I mean, I'm not dating nobody right now, but the dudes that I did bring over, what, they met, well, my mom met two, my dad met three. And I never like introduced them as like a boyfriend. It was just more so like, like they knew that I was dating the person. And so I was like, okay. So I brought, what did I bring over? This dude, Nico. I brought Nico over. He was like half black, half a Filipino dude. And, um, but he was just like a fucking hot mess. So like I broke it with his ass because he was like lying. <laughs> he was like lying about everything. And he lied to my parents. Like that's why they didn't like him because he lied. Like they, my parents do this weird shit. Like, they'll tag team a person. So like, they'll just like come in and ask you a bunch of questions. Like say if I was dating you and my dad would come in and like start a conversation with you. And I don't know if they just have like the same script or like if they're doing it on purpose, but he'll come in and he'll ask you like questions, whatever, and like try to get to know you, whatever. And then my mom will come in, my dad will leave, my mom will come in and then she'll ask you questions. And then she'll ask you probably like two or three of the same questions that he asked you. And then if the answers don't match, then you in trouble. I mean, that's kind of genius. But it's also like, why you ruined my life? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, granted, they didn't like any of these people, and there was only one that that would have been potentially good for me. The other ones were not. Two of them really ended up turning out to be like liars, and then the the third one, I really liked this motherfucker. Like liked him a lot. My mom never met him, but my dad needed. I forget. He needed me to bring him something in like Hayward, and I was like still living in Richmond at the time, and so I drove to Hayward and. But I took the dude with me because I had to drop him off because he lived in Hayward too. So I was like, might as well just drop your ass off in Hayward. Yeah, he was in the car. I dr- go to drop the thing off like with my dad. I had already came out to him. And he saw the dude in the car, Puerto Rican guy, long hair. He didn't say nothing then. But then he called me, I think, the next morning. It was like, who's the dude in the car? I was like, oh, you know, we've been hanging out and like, kind of get to know him or whatever. It's like, oh, you shouldn't mess with him. He looked like a hippie. His hair hella long. Like, it was just like all this shit. I'm like, you ain't even had a conversation with the dude. And you were talking about his hair. So, I don't know. But yeah. I mean, it sounded like, you know, <laughs> he was like, let me fix it on one thing. And be like, that's, you know, he has to go. Yeah. But so, like, with lying, like, what is lying? Like, what does lying in, in relationship mean? Like, is that, like. Not even, it wasn't lying in the relationship. It was lying about like certain things that they had done so it was like one of them was talking about like oh he graduated from college but he didn't and then he told my mom that he didn't but he told my dad that he did i was like okay but then you and i believe in this too like if you lie about little shit like you're gonna lie about the big shit so and it's like you lying to my like can you just not lie to my parents though like i mean don't lie to me either but like don't is there like is that his performance under pressure though? Is he trying, was he worried about like not impressing them? And, and is that an honest attempt at like, let me just like do my best to, to like make sure I do a look good for him? Nah. Or is it like, you just know that this, he's just, he's just gonna, he's lying about this. He's gonna lie about other things. It's just a, a symptom of a bigger issue. So I warned him about like, cause I, I learned this from previously. 
So the guy, Nico, when he came and he was like lying about shit, I peeped like what my parents were doing. I was like, oh, like this is a fucking game like to them, I guess. Like they're like comparing notes mm-hmm. and stuff. So then when Alan came, I was like, look, like this is what they did to the last dude. Like I told you them. Him. That's good. No, because like, you, you know, I mean, it's some, you need, you got to, it has to be a fair game. I prepped his ass like for this. I get like in the moment, you know what I mean? Like I've only met what like one dude's parents or one yeah just one dude's parents and and i'm i've never been like the meet the parents guy like i've never because it's it, i have bad luck like it's just never gotten that far but with this dude i was like i really liked him and i was just like okay you know like this is what happened like with the last dude like this is what they're gonna do like keep it chill like they don't be intimidated like it's not that big of a deal just and don't lie to them and then the motherfucker lied so i'm just like why I literally like told you what was going to happen and we had a long ass conversation about this and then you fucking go and do some shit like that. I was just like, ah. so, and then there was some other problems too. So that shit, long story short, it didn't work out. <laughs> um, I mean, that was good on because you, you gave him everything he needed to do to succeed and he didn't succeed. So no. it's like, there you go. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, what else can I, I, I wrote the book for you on a silver platter and you just, and you fucked it up. So, um, I mean, in that case, they saved you some time. They saved you some, some emotional, you know, capital, all that stuff. They, they, they saved you that way. So that's good. That's true. Um, I mean, they sabotage it, though. I'm like, like, can you just not, like, it just, I don't know. My dad, hey, when I was in school, my, everybody was afraid of my dad. Because my dad's like, he not, I'm taller than him. Like, I'm six foot. But my dad, I don't even know how tall he is, but I'm way taller than my dad. And, but he's, like, short, like, stocky dude. And he looked like he could just knock anybody out. And so he has a really deep voice. And everybody, when I was in school, like everybody was afraid of my dad. And I always assumed that, like, if I'm gonna bring like a dude over, they'll be afraid of my dad too because he just has that presence, and he likes to be that guy. You know what I mean? Like he feeds off the intimidation that he's getting from folks. Is that he likes to be in charge? Like he's that guy. <laughs> they, some, you know, some men that's their thing. They're certain their dominance, and you know, they just they they do it. I mean, my dad is. I think my dad's pretty. I think overall pretty secure with who he is. And I'm not saying that's that your dad behaves in, in that way as a manifestation of insecurities or anything, but mm-hmm. you know, he's pretty, he, he likes to be the comedian. He likes to be funny. My dad's a shit talker. Yeah. My dad is too. And, <laughs> and, and once you, once you get him drinking too, it, it, he just, he's a, a provocateur. He mm-hmm. wants to say things and drop it in there and see how it goes. And I, we, I know it, he knows sometimes he gets me. So I'm like, God damn it. This, this motherfucker did it. And he uh, gets me upset. But I mean, He's overall like he's a, he's a pretty chill guy. He's great to, to have mm-hmm. drinks with, you know, and, and he's great to. And both my parents are like that. They're both really easygoing. They mm-hmm. like to drink with me. Like I've taken my mom out to to the bars. We've seen drag shows together. We like. Oh, where she's like, when are we going back? When are we taking me up? She likes going down the river with us. Mm-hmm. Like all that stuff. So she's like fully engaged on those experiences. And it's which is looking back now, I'm, I'm surprised why I was so afraid of coming out to my mom. Mm-hmm. And so when I did that, she was like, "Duh, bitch!" Like you know. Wait, so did you ever tell your dad or you just... So this is still spring break and I like, I told her, I was like, I did it. This is my goal. I came to tell her and like, and then so my mom was like, so when are you going to tell your dad and your, and your brothers and your sister? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know. Like I, you know, this was, I'm still, you know, I feel like this was a, a very big step for me. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll figure it out maybe when we get back. And so we went to the gym after that brief conversation and we worked yeah. out and then we came home and we food was made we sat down we all got sat down like it was me sitting against the wall like and with we're all sort of facing the, the tv mm-hmm. getting our meal like our, our putting our spoons in our bowls about to eat 
my brother walks up to the TV. You didn't t- yell it again, did you? <laughs> what? You, did you yell it again? Like, I'm gonna- <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I know, like, not, yeah, it's, yeah, that just that happens all the time. I, <laughs> even since, I walk into the bar, I'm gay. <laughs> I'll be giving testimony somewhere and, and that's what happened. But so my, my brother goes up to the TV because we're going to watch something we probably illegally downloaded, knowing us at the time. And before my brother pushes play, mom says, Hold on, I think your brother has something he wants to tell you. Oh no! And I was like, what? in my mind, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Is this for real? And then I was like, all right, well, it's better now than than whenever. I don't know. And so they all just kind of look at me, and they're and like my sister's looking at me, uh, my brother's like ha- uncomfortably turning around, like trying to look at from the VCR from the computer to like, like to what look, do you have to say? What? Yeah, I was like, can you hear something? <laughs> and so I was like, I, and I just tried prefaced it. I was just like, I was like, well, I've been trying to make this obvious to you, and I haven't. I don't know why I said that, yeah. but I'm gay. And then as soon as I said that, mm-hmm. my sister starts choking. She's oh like, no! Eating her food. She's eating her food. She starts choking on on the fucking patch. Like, what the fuck we're eating? And so I'm like, she, the, the, like it's I like. I don't look at her because I'm like, okay, she's just choking. And I like, I like skim past my dad real quick. I don't want to see his expression. And I look at my brother and this is probably one of the best parts of my coming out story is that I look at my brother and then you can just see the wheels turning in his head. He starts thinking and then he says something that's like still affects me today. It's like, fuck, I can't imagine not being able to be who I was for however long you weren't able to be yourself. Like, yeah, he's like, I'm so sorry that you've had to like, I'm getting chills now when I think about it. Like, Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm so sorry that you you couldn't be yourself this whole time. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, and I'm cool with it. I'm happy that you who you are now. And and sorry for making all those faggot jokes because that's all he would say. He's like, fuck faggot, faggot. Like he would just say those things because yeah. because there's just there's no repercussions for saying it. There's no one he knew that would be impacted by that kind of right. thing. Like in his mind, it was a sort of meaningless thing, mm-hmm. you know. And and but like that was a great experience, just seeing him like his wheels turn, the wheels turning, and like that empathy that was just like growing in by the second. And re- realizing that I uh, I was basically living a lie for the longest time, and for him to pick up on that was like beautiful. I love that. I love yeah. that. And like my brother's like that. He's always been like that. Yeah. He's a super like emotionally intuitive person, emotionally intelligent person. I sort of like okay, that's good. One down. Mm-hmm. And then I like go past my dad again, <laughs> not looking at him. And I looked at my sister, and she's like, she's like teary eyed because he was choking a little bit. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I have no problem. This is cool. I have a gay brother now. Like mm-hmm. she has two other brothers, so it's like not a big deal to her. She's mm-hmm. like, this is great. I have a gay brother now, and she mm-hmm. was excited about it. And so then I finally look at my dad. My dad's like, he's like, well, fuck it. Like, we'll get through this together. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that was kind of like the best response I could have expected from my dad. Cause my dad is not exactly, you know, he was probably, he, he you know, he oft, oftentimes models the behavior of my, my brothers yeah. in terms of like his attitudes about feminine men, like being gay, mm-hmm. like all that was just sort of this, it was in the realm of pedophilia. It was in the mm-hmm. realm of like everything that, 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 you know, anyone who is all limited to like being machismo and being part of the Catholic, you know, that within our family, right. like that was like he he had he had adopted all those perspectives, all that about about it, mm-hmm. and so this was I can tell it's going forward. This is going to challenge that, mm-hmm. but in that at that day, I was like, that's a good answer. I'll take that for now. The mm-hmm. fact that you don't see this as like an issue, like a uncompromising on your on your position position on this, and he's like, fuck it, we'll get through this together. Mm-hmm. He's like, shit, I thought you had got to go pregnant up there, <laughs> and I was like, he said, let me. I did that one. <laughs> yeah. It, wait, what do you mean? I actually did get a girl pregnant. And then what happened? She moved and she did not have a baby. But like not by like me telling her that. Like her parents was like, oh no, girl. She was like, that's not happening. Yeah. Like the the her parents were not like with it. My coming out, I had to come out three times. I hated it. 
like three times in, in different settings with different people or with, with the same people you had to come out because it was not like sticking or was not clear you didn't like what was what was it so i got i oh my god i know my sister's gonna listen to this story. <laughs> so she took she doesn't remember this like i brought it up to her like maybe i don't know sometime this year a couple months ago she doesn't remember and but i'm traumatized but like it was like trauma for me because I, I was panicking like i didn't know like what the fuck to do and so we were, were still living in richmond i'm not like the house that we grew up in we were i was probably like what 17 mm-hmm. and or maybe 18 anyway i was fucking with this dude in sf and i would like go to sf every weekend and like go see him and it was a picture in my phone of me kissing him and people would like make jokes and shit about me like when i was growing up about like me being gay and stuff like that but i was also you know good at sports and like, oh, is he gay? Is he not gay? Like, what the fuck's going on? Like, he has girlfriends, things like that. And um, my sister, I ended up like, remember those sidekick phones? Like, you flip the screen up. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't get. I have a phone to college, so I was fucking. I was like, I would wear that motherfucker around my neck. That shit used to be cool, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not cool anymore. But anyway, so she, my sister, wanted to see the phone. Uh, she was like, oh, like, let me see it. Um, all the shit, whatever. So she took it from me, and it was unlocked, and ran in the bathroom, and I, I was like fuck like she's gonna go in my phone and she's gonna see like probably like who i was texting and there's pictures in there like of this dude and like me kissing him and i literally like instantly like just ran out the house like i took i had two phones my dad would pay for one and then like i had like another one like from my gay shit (laughs) (laughs) damn (laughs) (laughs) so i ran out the house jumped in the car drove from richmond to vallejo to go talk to my cousin who is a lesbian. Bitches that live in, in Richmond always also live in Vallejo. <laughs> <Yeah>. Always. <laughs> so I drove to Vallejo and I ended up coming out to my cousin because I didn't want to talk to my sister about it. Stayed there and like had a conversation with her and I kind of got like teary about it, but she already knew. You know, like I, when I called her and told her I was coming to her house, like she already knew what I was going to tell her. And she just didn't know why I was telling her, like, like why are you telling me now? And um, so I ended up going back home like a couple hours later and my sister's like is there something that you want to tell me and i was like something i want to tell you nah i don't want to tell you nothing so i didn't tell her and well what do you think like was that her like i'm open now like i'm ready for like if you want to share this with me or is it like let me hear some shit you have to say because this is gonna be a problem i don't know honestly you didn't want to like you weren't curious about about it like this could have been like no this could have been a weight off your shoulders no i shut that no i shut that shit down i was like no there's nothing is is it like leverage or ammo you see it as leverage or ammo for her like or what like where's what is the downside to to telling her in that moment i mean like so me and her are two years apart not even we were born in the same month she was born 87 i was born 89 and so like we're just like about two years apart and we was like in high school together and things like that. I was just afraid that like maybe we'd get into an argument or something. Like maybe it would come out. And I'm like a damage control. She was like, "That's why you suck dick, bitch." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right, right, yes. right. Like, what, like some shit would have came out like that in front of like my yeah, parents. So, it, so it is kind of like leverage. Like you know what she was capable. Like you're like this is unpredictable when she has that information. Like yeah, and like we would. I mean, we would like go back and forth or whatever in front of our parents. And it, but it wasn't. Like they, you know, they never really thought anything of it, but you never know. Like now somebody says something, like you never know what's going to fucking come out. Right. And granted, like, like Candy, if you're listening to this, like I trust you now, but I did not (laughs) trust her. And so I just was like, nah, like we ain't talking about it. And, uh, but then I ended up telling my dad, this was before I told my dad. So I was like, I need to tell my dad, like, I need to tell my parents because. Because why? Because she knows. Okay, okay you want to beat her to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got, it's going to come, it's going to be, I'm going to, it's going to be how I tell it, the right. way I want it, yeah. Okay. And it was, I think it was like the, what, it was like right before, yeah, right before I went to go play baseball, like, in school. 
like when I graduated from high school. And I was like, fuck, like, because I, I didn't want to play anymore. Like high school sports, when my senior year, I ended up actually quitting the baseball team because there was just like some shit going on that just, it made me not feel good about myself. And then also had a temper problem. We didn't even know to talk about that. But when I went to go tell my dad, like, I was like, oh, like, I'm going to take you out to breakfast or whatever. So I took him to like the spot that he likes to get breakfast at. And we were sitting in the car and he was like on the phone or some shit like that. I'm like, fuck, like, okay, like, what do you got to say to him? And I was like, oh, like, I told him I wanted to talk to him. And so he gets off the phone, like, we get out of the car. We're walking up to the door, like, to go into the spot. And we're walking in a straight line. And he was like, what? Like, what do you need to talk to me about? Like, what, you got somebody pregnant? I was like, no. Uh, he's yep, like, what, you don't want to go to college no more? I was like, yes, but no. And <laughs> <laughs> but that's not why we're here. <laughs> right. And then he was like, what? He's like, what, you're gay? And I was like, uh, yeah. And we were walking in a straight line, and this fool veered off, like, what? Like he just kind of like, like, like you know, like how black folks laugh and they like make that have that laugh. Walk. Yeah. He's like, oh hell no. <laughs> he was just like, did you just tell me what the fuck? Like, and so we ended up sitting down, like having breakfast, and we were talking about it. It, it got kind of weird, and he was like, oh, but like you saw my girlfriend's, like maybe you're bi, and I was like, nah, like I've been there, done that, like literally done that. Like I'm cool off girls, like I like dudes, I know that I like dudes. And we talked about it a couple of times. And this is before, like, you know, he met all the, the guys like later down the road, like in my early 20s. And we just never really talked about it again. Like, and he, you'd have it that way. Hmm? You'd have it. You'd rather, you'd, like, that you're fine with just being like this. I'm cool with that because now I have, like, a very strong idea, like, of my personal identity. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I know who I am. I know what I like. I know, like, red flags of, and I know his concerns. Like, he was concerned that because I was so young, like, I was probably, I think it was like 18, 19 years old when I told him. And he was concerned that like some older dude would like come after me and like take advantage in some kind of predatory way. Yeah. Right. Like some, I don't know. I was like, what? So 18, 19, some like 40, 50 year old man would like come and like, you know, take me off of a path of just like, oh, like I'm going to, you know, take care of you, this and that. I would drop out of school. I wouldn't get a job. I wouldn't do all these things. And then just be like mm-hmm. a fucking shitty ass person. Maybe like, he was like, damn, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, granted, I can't get a man anyway. So it's like, that's like, that's besides the point. But yeah, like we don't really talk about it. Like, I mean, at that particular point, and then I've dated people and I've brought them over. I don't even feel like now that it needs to be a conversation. Like if I introduce somebody to you, you know, as my boyfriend, then that's what he is. And like, you either deal with it or you don't. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah, and it's a great place to be. I think yeah. it's a, that's kind of where you want to be. You just gotta you the external input is always important from those you care about, mm-hmm. and to a certain extent, with once you understand their motives or their intentions. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, right, you gotta you gotta you gotta do what what makes you happy, what's right. I mean, that's cliche, but like it's maybe because we say it so often that people mm-hmm. don't take it that advice. But yeah. it's like literally that's what you do. You should do that. Yeah, like I mean, there's things that I'm like insecure about. Like being gay is not one of them, and I'm I'm cool with that. Like, but I came out with to my cousin and then I came up to my dad and then I'm pretty sure my dad told my mom and then like they've met like people that I've dated but then I went to the army and then it was don't ask don't tell so then the bitch had to go back in the closet and then I came out again so it was just like a hot fucking mess yeah I could tell like some of those things can give your parents pause like okay so how much of you know I certainly how much of, of this can we attribute legit add legitimacy to in terms yeah. of how you perceive yourself in that in those moments actually I lied we did talk about it one more time who, who did your dad me and my dad, dad talked to but it wasn't like a conversation it was like he caught me off guard so like when i went to boot camp when was it no i was in job training so i had already graduated from boot camp my parents came like to to see me graduate from boot camp then i went to job training i was in alabama came home for christmas 
they told us not to drive. They're like, you know, you still own whatever, like don't drive. Like if you need to go somewhere, like have somebody take you or blah, blah, blah. So but I ended up fucking driving and I was maybe, I don't know, a couple blocks away from the house. Like me and my dad, like I just came back from dinner and I'm driving like up the hill and he was like, and he didn't even say like, I have to ask you a question like that. He was just like, do you still like guys? I slammed on the brakes. Like I was so caught off guard that he just like randomly asked me that question. And I was like, yes. And I was like, I don't know if he thought the army was like going to make me straight or something. I don't know. But then he just was like, okay. And he just left it at that. So like at that point then I'm just like, all right. I mean, that's, I mean, that feels like a very, like, that's like a solid answer. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And when, immediately when you slam on the brakes, my, my, I thought like, as, as a parent, if whenever I say these things and bring these things up, this is the reaction. I'm, I get a little more hesitant to bring it up to have more further conversations. If yeah. you're, you're going to, you know, sort of react in, in the sort of. I mean, you don't have to ask me if I'm gay every year. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, but I'm saying, but like, and, and that's why I said that feels like after that, you don't got to ask anymore because you're like, yeah, I'm still, this is it. And like, if he asked twice and that was it, like, you know, at some point you got to take it. You got to take the, the, you know, who he says he is as who he is. Yeah. And I, I assume, when was that? When, what, when was this? Well, I was 20. When that happened, when we were in the car, and was, so do you feel now like that he he is that it's he's accepted that like it's real to him or is he still do you still um, feel like that even it still left him? I feel like that there's unsure. that that hope in the back of his head that like I'll meet like a woman and like granted I'm still attracted to women I don't have emotional connection with women so like I'm not gonna go date a woman just because like I find her physically attractive I'm not gonna do that. I just feel like that's... He's not up. ready for that. He's not ready for that nuance. Not like, he's not ready he's for like, that nuance. No, I, don't, I don't explain any of that. Like, you don't even... You just need to know that I, like, get... I, I like men in a way that you would, like, be in a relationship with. That's what he needs to understand. And so we ain't about to talk about all these other things because he doesn't... He wouldn't get it. One, granted, I want to give them more credit than that. Maybe they would just, like, you know, not get it and still accept it. But there's no point in talking about it because, like, I literally know that I want to be with a dude, like, for the long term. So if that happens, then that happens. If it don't happen, then I'll just be, like, a rich daddy with a pool in Palm Springs or some shit like that. And, that, and that'll be it. Sounds beautiful. <laughs> Sounds like actually a fairy tale. A fairy tale ending right there, bitch. Um, we'll see. <laughs> you're like, I'll let you know. <laughs> we get there. We'll see. <laughs> so, like, okay. So, because you, you grew up in Oakland. I grew up in Richmond. Like... East Bay definitely now, I mean, even though it's more gentrified now, but like more diverse than living in San Francisco. I've dated like a lot of different types of dudes. Like, did you feel like were your parents like weird about like you dating like dudes that were not like Latino or like were they like picky about stuff like that? Because my sister like was it I, the last person that I dated like that, which that shit didn't work out either. But like I was like getting invested in this person. And I showed her a picture of him and, and she was just like, you don't like black dudes. And I was like, girl, like there ain't that many black gay dudes out there. And plus like, I have a group of black gay friends, but I'm like, I don't want to put my dick in them because like, I want my black gay friends. You know yeah, what I'm saying? So yeah. like, and then that could just make shit fucking weird. Granted, you won't like every person the same way, like when you meet them. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like something that people need to understand. Like, I'm not gonna, just because like somebody is black and gay, like I'm not gonna go after them in that particular way like this is just like there's you know a straight relationship where i don't like this person personality or like i don't agree with the shit that they do or like they fucking financially unstable they don't got no fucking job like they have no fucking drive like any of that shit if that shit goes into it then it's like no matter if you black white latino asian indian whatever 
I don't want you. <laughs> You're saying like if those are the traits, then then that regardless of of your orientation, regardless right. of their you know who they are you know sexually or right. or you know their orientation, yeah, it's the same shit. It's the, the board. same yeah. thing, no matter what color you are. And so, and I know like for a fact that I mean, with black culture, there's a lot of dudes that are on the DL because it's not heavily accepted. Like especially you know like rappers and shit like the baby fucking saying shit about like you know LGBTQ folks and things like that. I know that in black culture, like it's not heavily accepted. And so like people get pushed out. So like they keep that shit under wraps. So I think that also limits the amount of black gay men that are out there that are open about their shit, which I don't want to date somebody that's on a DR in the closet. Mm-hmm. Like I want you to be well adjusted. I, I don't know if that's the right word or the yeah. right thing, but well adjusted. Like, you know, you're, you're, you've reached the point of, of accepting your own identity mm-hmm. and, and who you are and what you value is, and you see that as okay. And I think that when it's even in, in the Latino community, it's like mm-hmm. if, if you're subscribing to the values of your family or the community and they don't aren't conducive to you being yourself as a gay individual, then it can be kind of tough for you to to accept on your even, you know, mm-hmm. your own who you are, what you care about, what you love. Mm-hmm. If those things, if you're still op- you know, using the lens of, of the values of the individuals that are around you, mm-hmm. you're not gonna fully embrace the things that you love, which is kind of a sad thing, right? So you yeah. have to find out how to how to I don't know, some people I mean it's easy for me to say because I have such a disconnect with with some of aspects of the Latino community or like yeah. Mexican. That's just a Mexican mm-hmm. a culture, which is you know extension to a certain extent of the, the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. It's easy for me to sort of sh- sh- throw those off. Those mm-hmm. the values, their their opinions about things, and, and it sort of seems can, to me can see I have no qualms about going about my life with their disapproval, right? Yeah. But I think for those who who that is who they are, that is you know that separating. The, the beauty of the of all aspects you know of Mexican culture, including mm-hmm. those those parts that are that are can be detrimental to your own well being. Mm-hmm. You can't. It's hard to like separate those completely so you can fully enjoy who you are. And I think that's kind of where a lot of, at least a lot of, you know, people you know Me- you know from my culture, Latinos, Mexicans who who sort of have that self hatred. It's kind of hard to, to to. It's a lot harder than it seems to to move away from that. I think, and that's kind of where where they need they need the credit. Yeah, and you can't. You know, and we can. I said not well adjusted or you said that, you know, they're not comfortable with what they are, you know, mm-hmm. and so there's, it's a balance between like them being incapable and unable to because yeah. they're not ready to, you know, to, to reconcile those things yeah. or they just, you know, they're, they're, they don't have the courage, you know, there's right. different things, right? So I think that's kind of, when you get to know someone, you have to kind of figure that out, right? And maybe that's, maybe you don't want to have to spend time figuring that out. And that's yeah. true. Maybe you don't want to, maybe I don't, yeah. I don't want someone who is still figuring that out. I want yeah. someone who's already further along in that process and that's okay, right? Because, you know, at some point they'll get to the point where they can navigate the world when they're comfortable with who they are. Hopefully, right? That's that's the idea. That's the hope. Hopefully. I mean, I'm about to turn, what, 32? So, like, if I'm dating a dude in his 30s, like, I don't, like, granted, if you're younger, like, I can have friends who are not, like, 100% out and things like that, like, because it, it is a journey. Like, it is a journey. But, like, if I'm going to commit to somebody, like, I want to be able to bring you to family things. Like, I want you to be able to be comfortable about that stuff. Like, I am want to kiss you in public. You know what I'm saying? Like, like sometimes yeah. I'm like, oh, damn, like, that's my dude. Like, fucking, he looking damn good today. Like, let me fucking kiss this motherfucker. Delicious. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, like, if you just, like, if, if you're pulling away and, like, afraid and things like that, and I can't bring you some type of comfort then I think there's obviously a disconnect there. Like, I don't really want to, like, because that'll make me feel weird. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to feel weird in my romantic situations. And I dated this black dude. I'm not going to talk too much about it. But he is an actor now. And before that, he lived in the Bay. And he was living with his mom, but, like, you know, like, still successful, whatever, but, like, saving his money to want to buy a house and all this other stuff. But then he always had, like, these other goals. 
So then he ends up going to be like an actor, moved to fucking LA. And it was probably, I think it was probably the first dude that I actually bought him for too. And I was like obsessed with this dude. Like I was just like, oh my God, like he's fucking amazing, all this shit. And then he got like extra religious on me and like went back in the closet and like broke my fucking heart. And I was like, I hate this motherfucker. But then he came back around my dumb ass being like 21, 22, living in the East Bay. He came back up from LA, hit me up. I don't even know why the fuck he still had my number. And then because he like rejected me because he got all religious. But then he came over and I'm thinking like, oh, he just want to like kick it, like hang out, whatever. It's not a fucking thing. And then he goes and tries to like get all physical and shit. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, ain't you straight now or like trying to be or whatever? I don't know. So he well, well, I guess we don't, we don't get for that. But I'm, I was wondering, like, is that the initial attempt or the initial statement of, of returning to his, his religious values? Is yeah. that is that a, just a, a cop out? Or is it, is it, or I guess you'll never know, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like he, that was his reasoning. That's what he told me. And then he moved and then he came up and then he like wanted to have sex with me, you know, and I'm confused. And I just shut that shit down too. I was like, nah, like we kind of started to, and I was just like, wait a minute, hold up. No. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, it's going to employ it when it's convenient and then you can, you know, and the assumption is that you'll follow along with it, which is, it sounds like you didn't. Hell no. Which is great. (laughs) great. Like it's like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, right. no 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 yeah i just i couldn't bring myself like to do it it just i don't know but then and then like before we even started recording this like i told you about like people like other like black people who come after me about like if i'm dating a dude that's not black and things like that so it's just i don't know i know a lot of people feel like i forget this dude's name he was on somebody's um, podcast or like recording or whatever he's talking about that he didn't believe in interracial dating at all and i was just like um I, I didn't understand that because like he believes like that it's like a, it doesn't exist or he does he's not supportive of it. He is not supportive <laughs> of it because he said that it robs people of color of their financial stability or something. Like if two black people get together and like they build stability together, then it stays in like the blackness. Versus if a black person and a white person get together, a black person and a Latino person, then it's like they're sharing that wealth across. Who said this? Like who? I can't remember the dude's name. I have to look it up. Was he from like either of those communities, or he was, was a black, black, black guy? guy. Okay. Yeah, and it was, he was on a black person's like podcast, or like maybe it was like a YouTube channel or something. I can't remember. Uh, but I saw it on Instagram, and I was I was confused. But I'm like, uh, uh. it feels convoluted. A yeah. little, a little like it's like that's not really probably related. And or I mean, there may be some thing to to look into that. But I mean, to explore that. But I think yeah. you know, if being part of a white relationship is a leg up. Then bring bitches with you. Like, not, I mean, I don't mean like, I don't mean, I don't mean like, you know, let's have a throuple here, but like, you know, leverage your your wealth or whatever experience success you've had because you have a white boyfriend and, and help other folks in the community. It doesn't have to stay with, you know, with the white folks. Yeah. I mean, so. I think it's all about like how you're like, you can fall in love with anybody. I think you can fall in love with the right person, but you can also fall in love with the wrong person too. And like, whether that person's black, white, whatever, they can look like you, they cannot look like you. And I think it's just, there's something to be said about, not picking somebody for superficial reasons whether it's like a fetish thing or if it's like financial thing you know it's like oh i want this person because they got like they got the money you know what i mean yeah i I think since i came out in 2006 i had been dating someone for to a point of in 2016 so i had Mm -hmm. been with someone Mm -hmm. so i don't know if this happens with like with every gay a gay boy that comes out but like I've been in a relationship as soon as I came out. So from like 2006, 2016, mm-hmm. I was in one relationship or another for, you know, some of them lasted like 
10 weeks, like, you know, three months, whatever, however the fuck, you know, I'm in college, I was doing it by 10 week periods. Or like two years or four years or like four years off and on. And like, you know, it was just this period of like, I was either fixated on being with someone or in a relationship with someone. And then like, that was my identity. I had to be, I had to meld into something greater than who I was. And that's not even an appropriate way to describe it. That was, that's to me, that was an unhealthy perspective, right? It's like, I am nobody without this other person. And, and I realized like, I've been in a relationship this whole time and it's basically 10 years. And I, you know, I find myself struggling. They sort of come to an end, some of them naturally, some of them appropriately, others, unfortunately at abrupt ends, mm -hmm. but they all ended in this like miserable, like breakup at a level of intensity that was just consistent across all of them. Mm -hmm. And and I, I responded to the, the breakup in exactly the same way. And, and I realized like there's something is less about these individuals and the, and the more of the fact that the common denominator, the common factor in all of these, uh, these experiences is me. So I had, like, I, tried, I had to figure out like what the fuck was going on with me. Why is it that these things are ending this way? And why am I responding? So why do I attribute this level, this value to, yeah. to losing my identity, to losing my independence? But you were uh, like losing your independence in the relationship. Yeah. And I was so willing to just give it up to be part of something brought bigger you know, I need to stop saying that. So, so willing to just, my identity be either relationship let it let me be we instead of me right instead of mm -hmm. i but it was also the, you know complicated by the fact that you know i grew up in oakland and however you think oakland is whatever stereotypes you think it is whatever you think the hood is that's what my childhood was it was the, the streets were you know you know it's just you know all of us black and brown folks living together us southeast asian folks living together mm -hmm. you know doing the thing yeah and like I said earlier, my motivation was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. How do I do that? I'm, I'm going to go to school, focus on that shit, go, go to college and get out. Mm -hmm. And luckily, uh, you know, I did really well in, through school and I, I jumped and was able to get accepted to, to Dartmouth College, New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can already know coming from Oakland mm -hmm. to this liberal elite. I mean, Dartmouth's not necessarily a liberal elite place, but it's, it's, a, it's an elite school and and the same thing there whatever you think about in terms think, of stereotypes yeah. is exactly what it is it, i have an like, idea it, man. it is and there are <laughs> movies made out of, about this this school you know like animal house is about one of the fraternities and so like life there is dominated by, by fraternities like 60 percent of the student bodies in a fraternity or sorority mm -hmm. all the parties everything happens there on frat row but it's, it's white you get there and, it, and there's just this incredible culture shock i prepared as best as i could for for college but you're never prepared you know these kids from the moment they were born, had the tools necessary to succeed. It's the moment they hit the ground there. Like they were bred to, yeah. to for lack of a better word, to yeah. do well, to exceed, they took excel there. Mm -hmm. And everyone I, you know, I had to like learn new skills and all that shit really fast. But, you know, it's it's a school that's, that's hugely white. Mm -hmm. And so I came out there and that was kind of like what was available to me. And, and mm -hmm. my first boyfriend was white. And my second boyfriend was Jewish, but you know he was he was white for <laughs> some purposes. <laughs> yeah. That's what he would say to me. And uh, so, like you know, it's it's those early relationships kind of shaped my perception of like in some good ways and some bad ways what mm -hmm. I can expect out of a relationship. The first one was just this disastrous, like toxic relationship that like whatever issues he was dealing with, they bled into me and my sort of lack of understanding of of as I was developing my own identity and what was what is acceptable behavior in terms of like things that, that do not jive with self-respect. Like I didn't, I had not sort of figured out, wow, these things are inappropriate. If you, if you know, have integrity, if you value yourself, you let people do these things to you. That's like not what, like, just, give me an example. just lying to me about, he was manipulative. So he like, we were together all the time. So he, he went through this, this period faster than this sort of cycle faster than I did. So he, we first met each other. He was infatuated with me. I was infatuated with him. We like spent a lot of time together. But one of the things that I learned was growing up, 
you know, I don't know if the, I don't think it has necessarily to do with my parents, but it just I could not communicate emotionally. If he asked me what's wrong, what are your issues, what what is wrong with our relationship, I just could flat out could not vocalize how I felt. Like I had no way, no emotional intelligence in a way that would that I could articulate and communicate to him what my issues were. And so But you were like what, twenty? I was 18, 18. I, mean, I think that's kind of normal. Maybe. I mean, it also was just like this, like, what is wrong with it? Why can't I say how I feel? Like, it was mm-hmm. just this weird thing. And I think that at some point, he was just kind of like, I'm over this. Mm-hmm. But I'm not re- quite over it yet. At some point, he just kind of like, tried to spend less and less time with me. And like, I was taught with, at like, at 10 in terms of like, that enjoyment I got of being with him. And, mm-hmm. and he was just kind of ready to go off and do other things. And like, he would lie to me about where he was. And like, when he was, you know, all that stuff. And then, I would be at home like as dramatic and melodramatic as fuck on my bed crying and shit. Like, and then he would like finally come over and, and I would, and he'd be like roll his eyes like, what, like he would clearly be like drunk mm-hmm. and like just like not willing to deal with this. And after a while, he just he actually were together for that for that first term or that for for ten weeks. Right for that ten weeks, then we came back. We had like we, were, we talked to each other over the over the break and came back. And he's like, I have something to tell you. And He's like, I cheated on you while I was at home. And my dumbass was like, it's, it's okay. Like, I don't know. We'll figure this out or something. He's like, do you understand that I cheated on you? Like, mm-hmm. he basically was like, I did this to like, to get away from you. Like, I wanted this to be over. Like, I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. I just didn't understand it. And like, it just like, and then, you know, I eventually, he just kind of just like, would only come over when he wanted to. And I would just let it happen. And like, he would just take it. Like, I was just like, whatever it is that you think is like, this is sort of a, a sad, you know, that first relationship was just, you know, I had no backbone, did not like do anything to defend myself, to maintain my own self-respect, my dignity. Like I was just jelly. Like he yeah. did whatever he wanted. And then at some point I just like was, had the good enough courage to just be like done with it. But it was kind of this un, unceremonious, like unfortunate end. It was just, it wasn't satisfying for me. It wasn't, and he was just honest. He would, he'd already sort of dissolved into his own, whatever experiences he was having. And then I met my second boyfriend. He was much more level-headed and, and, and great guy. And he helped sort of help shape, you know, what it means to be in a healthy relationship. But the funny thing is that was the person I wanted to introduce my parents to. Mm-hmm. It was interesting because, you know, he it was a product of, of two, you know, he, upper middle class, two doctors, had this like very oh, stereotypically yeah. American life. Like mm-hmm. he, and he was like deciding between which colleges, which was like, which which I really he wanted to go to and like so he had this like and he worked hard he was there's nothing wrong with with his experience it was just very different from mine mm-hmm. which meant that culturally it's gonna be very different from my family mm-hmm. and so when I when I finally put them together oh, no. it was just kind of like this awkward thing like they didn't know what to say to him he didn't know what to say to them yeah. like you know and I had like you know expressed frustration to my family in the past so he all he had was like the things that kind of like my venting and not like oh I love my parents for these reasons they're good for this so he didn't had he wasn't getting the full story for me that that's kind of my fault. Yeah. And then my parents were, you know, they were kind of learning life at, at the same time I was, right? Because they were, yeah, my mom was only 15 years young, older than me. So she like, they were both like, they didn't know how to react to white people. Essentially, I'm just, that's how I put it. They didn't know. They were like, what do we say to you? Like, what do you have yeah. common? And she was just kind of, they were just kind of uncomfortable. He was uncomfortable. And so that was kind of like, you could feel like they were like, you know, we accept that you, you're, you've come out and like, but now we have to also accept this other level of like, of what it means to have a gay son with with a partner it's like right that's a different that's a different level and now you have to also understand this other culture that i'm bringing in right. and it was interesting and, and we were together for for about two years and we had to end because he was in new york and i was mm-hmm. in, in the bay area but i met my third boyfriend who was half danish i and he was hilarious super high energy my mother my parents loved him so much they were they were always excited to hang out 
So it was like, I think the closer an identity, the easier it was and the more like more enjoyable it was for them. Mm-hmm. So I think that was kind of the, the big thing was that they, they want to be supportive, but it's just sometimes harder for them to like, to do it if they don't really know how to do it yet. So they have right. to figure that out. So I think that takes some time, but I think now they're, they're great. My dad's like my current partner. Dad talks to, well, my, he likes football. My partner mm-hmm. likes football. So they mm-hmm. talked about it together. Like they find common out common things to do. Like they make great effort to like find commonality and communicate. So they come a long way. If I find a dude that loves baseball, then my dad will fall in love with him. <laughs> like, cause my dad, like he's obsessed with baseball. So, and I grew up playing baseball and then like I played softball like in SF for fucking years. And if I found a dude that was just all about baseball, then my dad would just be like, you know what? I don't give a fuck if my son is gay. Like, I don't give a fuck he's dating a man. Like, this motherfucker, like, I can, like, shoot the shit with him because I hate talking about baseball. So, like, I'll sit there and listen to my dad, like, talk about it. But I'd rather, I find more interest in talking about basketball because I was a better baseball player. And so, like, I could just go and, like, play. But, yeah, if there was, like, a dude that knew all the rules, knew all the teams, like, followed the stats, like, knew all the players he would be all about it like he he just wouldn't he would i mean it, honestly i mean it just makes it easier to to, to communicate with people and that yeah. kind of like it, they seem less foreign it's yeah. less like it's just you let your guard down a little bit and yeah. once your guard's down it's kind of like, like you can, you can see point. it you could see it happen like when the guard goes down they're like all right mm-hmm. this is this is something i can handle something i can do and then it's in you know it's great for everybody yeah so yeah i don't have a lot of dating i don't know like as far as Cause I've had people come after me as like, as far as like preferences and things like that. And I lived in, in San Francisco for seven years. And so San Francisco is like, it's mostly Asian guys and white guys. And like the gay community is kind of weird. Like there's, you know, certain bars that won't play certain types of music. And like, there's been like issues where people of color have to provide multiple forms of ID in order to get into fucking gay bars. And so like shit like that. And mm-hmm. so then you go in there and they cater to a certain type of crowd. Granted, SF is supposed to be like this gay mega type of thing where everybody's supposed to be accepted and things like that. Honestly, if I'm 100% honest, I actually like living here more than living in SF because I feel like SF is a little bit more undercover with the things that they don't tolerate as far as like racial stuff. Like it's not really being addressed. They kind of sweep it under the rug. Granted, people up here, like in Sacramento, are very out front about their shit. So it's easier to spot and easier to avoid. So if you're in SF, like from my experience, I'm only talking about me for, for what, I've, what I've seen. But if people are being a certain type of way, it, it was harder to spot in SF, like as far as like racial shit. And so, but I do remember being at Lookout and this was my last boyfriend when we broke up four years ago and who also, he was white, but we had broken up. I was playing in like the SF Kickball League, went to Lookout afterwards, saw this fine as fuck Asian boy. He was a little out of my age range though. Cause I think I was already like 30 at the time and maybe 29. And he was like maybe 24, which was like young for me. Yeah. That was young for me, <laughs> but he had just moved up to SF, like from Santa Barbara, got graduated from college, all that, whatever. Hella fine. Just looked amazing. Went after him. I normally don't approach. I don't like approaching because people, for some fucking reason, always like feel like I'm intimidating or some shit like that. Like I feel like I come off strong. Anyway, this motherfucker told me straight up to my face. He's like, I like white guys. And I wanted to throw him off. You, have you been to- <laughs> Yeah. You would have been, look out, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't just like, look out. I was like, 
the balcony and he we were outside on that balcony i just wanted to pick his ass up and dump him over <laughs> but i mean granted he told me to my face but at the same time it was just like damn like you just fucking threw that out there like that it was kind of weird and i don't have those like restrictions on the people that i date like if i like you i like you you know so i've dated every single type of person and also like different ages too. Like I have a cutoff like for an age like older than me. Typically I have one that's a little bit younger, but also it kind of depends on like maturity level. Cause some people, you know, they, in that party phase, they don't really want to date me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, in my thirties, so I'm, I'm kind of looking for something a little bit more serious minded, like, and can communicate like emotional yeah. intelligence, which might not necessarily be like 23, 24, 25. So it just kind of depends on the individual. But yeah, I just, I've had like experiences like that in SF that have driven me nuts. Because I will engage with someone who is not black because there's not a lot of black dudes in SF. Like if you want to, I feel like if you want to go date a black dude, you go to the East Bay mm-hmm. because there's more diversity in the East Bay than there is in Definitely, like yeah. in San Francisco city limits or, you know, San Francisco city County or whatever. So I don't know. That's like what I've, I've had to deal with. I mean, that wasn't the first time that wasn't, you know, the only time, but it was weird, like living there for seven years and then having to deal with stuff like that. And then there was like, other other shit too but that's true because i when i when i came back from college i was in i did some research i was doing research and i worked for uh for the united states geological survey in menlo park mm-hmm. but on the weekends i'd come to my parents house and and because i lived in union city at the time i mean i would just commute across because i could not atherton and menlo park there's no way i could live there because that's where it was I was mm-hmm. like, that's ridiculous but you know i, I was this broke-ass little researcher who, you know i was making <laughs> shit living with my aunt and yeah. That's, you know, going to the city was, you know, it costs money, it costs those things. And, and it's a very liberal progressive place and they don't have to be overtly, you know, certain swaths of the community don't have to be overtly racist. They just can, they can lock you out with, with money. Mm-hmm. They could, they can increase the price entry to places. Yeah. Basically make it harder for you to get there. Yeah. Like, you know, I've had people make snarky comments about bridge and tunnel. Like they call you, they call them bridge and tunnel. Like the, these people are here. You know, coming over from the East Bay, sort of an unwanted fashion. Or, or Bart ends early. You gotta, yeah, get, like, if you wanna go home, you <laughs> yeah. gotta leave. <laughs> and I've seen, you know, some, yeah, and some of the worst were the folks that are transplants. Like, they just got there and, like, it's like, you're not even from the Bay Area. Like, Which how do you, how are you? That's what it, it is. It is true. And yeah. maybe that's, you know, there's this us versus can happen easily, more easily in San Francisco mm-hmm. is because they've, all these people have a shared identity in the sense that they're, they're not from the San Francisco or they're not from the Bay Area. Whereas, mm-hmm. Those of us who've lived there, that's us, it's who we are. And so they're like, it's they receive it, you know. There was this feeling of like, oh, they're they're beneath us in that way. And like we live in these these condos, these high rises over here. We can walk to the bar, we can yeah. walk to Bo, we can walk to cafe if it's on mm-hmm. open. But mm-hmm. you could do those things and they they reveled in it. And I know that, you know, that was kind of what I experienced sometimes when I saw that. And I was just like, Ugh, this is gross. And, and it's mm-hmm. if they want to have these exclusive experiences, all they have to do is just increase the price of something and you can't show up. You know, yeah, and it'll, they'll eliminate a huge swath of individuals who who would have otherwise participated. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's true. I, I've seen it happen. You know what I mean? And and like people, granted, if you go out, so it, which I've noticed this. So Sunday Funday is like a big thing in SF. Like you go to SF, and then people, you know, they're brunching at eleven noon, all this other shit, going to fucking bars, and people all out on the streets. Sacramento is not like that. Uh, maybe it's just because it's too hot outside, so people don't come out until like. They Sunday Funday, like starting at like 5 p.m. Yeah, they start calling, calling out. <laughs> yeah. It's like 5 p.m., like 5 to like 11, and then everybody goes home. But when you go out in, in San Francisco, which I went to Whitehorse in Oakland, and way more diverse crowd, like a bunch of different people, and I appreciate that. But 
when Granite Bay Area doesn't have big, bigger venues like Sacramento, it has a lot more like a, of a dance floor and things like that. And I feel like they kind of switch up the music too. SF isn't like that. Like it's kind of hole in the wall, like tiny dance floor, mm-hmm. capacity mm-hmm. limits, things like that, obviously COVID. But it, it's just weird when I see that there's people of color out earlier in the day, but then in order, because you don't want to drive, right? You drinking. So then you have to either Uber back or you, ha- which is expensive. Or you have to catch the mart back, which it has a cutoff time. So then when, you know, shit's popping, like 11, midnight, 1 o'clock in the morning. Right at the peak of the... (laughs) You got to go home. (laughs) Otherwise, you're stuck on the streets. Yep. You know? Trust me, we've... we've, My group of friends, you know, right out of college, that was kind of like the first time I had been to a gay bar was like right after college because I was in nowhere in New Hampshire and the nearest place was Boston. I mean, you know, but trying to go to Boston. There was. <laughs> I have friends that they moved. One of my friends lived in Boston before he moved to San Francisco. And no, we <laughs> actually no. There's two of them. There's two of them. There was like no, 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 no. It was a beautiful place, but we were, we were there. And we were like, where is, where's the nightlife here? And they're like, oh yeah, the gays. They have they have one night a week at these bars. They don't have a bar. And I was like, oh really? That's have a gay night, not a gay bar. I was like, damn, bitch, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, so no, that was our thing. We, it was risky. It was like we had to strategize. You're we like, what are we doing at this time? You know, mm-hmm. what are you know? And I think now I'm like, all right, we go down there, we plan differently, right? Now mm-hmm. that you now that that's not that's not the issue. You're not like scrounging money because you're like this broke ass researcher. It's a little mm-hmm. different now going down there. Mm-hmm. But I still appreciate. That. I'm like, I recognize like these. This is the thing that you know we what we had to do, and mm-hmm. and you know it, there are other people who are in that stage in their life that are gonna they won't be there forever, but they'll mm-hmm. they're going through that. And I just have I don't know patience or empathy or whatever it is that you need to have when if there's a level of frustration that they're experiencing yeah i feel like you need to have that. And, and don't get me wrong I, I san francisco is a beautiful gorgeous place i, I love it i love the culture i love being there mm-hmm. but like you pick when you're there enough you start getting the underbelly you start seeing the things you don't want you don't want to see you start experiencing those things and you're like wow this is kind of this is part of it too seven years this is part of it too seven years honey <laughs> it was yeah, like it was I, i've seen it like because i was so excited to move there i was so excited and it just like ended up not really. I was like, I can't stay here forever. That's where like my mind was at. I started what it was 2014. Same roommates for the whole time. Like I know a lot of people when I said they jump to different apartments and things like that. I had the same apartment and the same roommates for almost seven years. It was like just short of seven. And I started to see the changes like what 14, 15, 16. I think like 2016. And then I had a boyfriend from the end of 2016 to the end of 2017. And then after that, like kind of went off the deep end, like fucking lost my mind and shit was acting out. Cause I wasn't happy. You know, I wasn't happy where I was at. And I didn't like being the only black person in like a group of people. I didn't like not being invited to shit. Like I would, you know, like, Oh, like everybody that I fucking know went to this thing, but I wasn't invited. And I was just like, what the fuck? I'm like, what is different mm. for me than them? Yeah. Whether it was because I was younger or it was because, because I, I think it was like 23 when I moved there. But, you know, whether it was, was I younger or maybe that I just didn't really fit in with the group, you know, and for whatever reasons that might be. And I'm like, I'm not going to throw the race card out there, but like maybe that was a factor. I don't know because I was the only person. I don't know. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah, you can't eliminate it. Right. So, I don't know. I, I mean, and, and it was the same thing with dating. And yeah, but like, there's more POC like up here in, in Sacramento. And I've, kind of only fucked with maybe two three dudes since i've been up here and they've been cooler and it hasn't worked out but it's also been more transparent 
about it not working out. Not so much as like explaining the whole situation, but they don't leave you hanging. They don't like bounce over to somebody else and then like, oh, but we weren't, you know, mm-hmm. they don't pull that type of shit. As if it's a little bit different. Yeah, and I, I hear that because I have friends in New York and I have, you know, I have friends that are there in San Francisco now. And it, it, the, one of the things that they all express frustration of is, is that everyone there is suffering from this idea that there's something else better. There's something else out the there. The next best thing. The next best thing is out there waiting. So like they'll never fully commit, fully engage because they know that, you know, by, by settling down or selecting this individual means they're losing out on opportunities for someone else. You go, in a, you go into SF City Limits and get on Grindr, it doesn't go more than a mile away <laughs> because there's too many fucking gays in like one spot. So you don't really, and you filter it. Like, it's like, oh, I'm going to filter the age and like, I want people that are looking. And it still does not go more than a mile away. <laughs> you can't bring it down. <laughs> yeah. It does not go more than a mile away. It's like, that okay, so hilarious. I'm limited to these people. Yeah, it's, I mean, I can see how that phenomenon makes sense. And why, you know, people, when there's this, this, this sense, this feeling like there's always something, someone new to experience that like, maybe you're like, oh, well, you know, I don't, you know, you'll be wandering. Either you, you have some understanding that you'll be able to, to dabble in that and come back or you just, either you just, or you end it and you find something else and you hop to the hop and hop. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of, that's, it may be an effective strategy there. Maybe that's kind of what you have to do. I feel like sometimes people drive the culture and then the culture just sort of runs away and you have to keep up with it. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think there's all, I mean, there's, you know, like the hookup culture and the dating and things like that. And you also, some people don't necessarily know what they want. So you got to date around to figure out like what you like. I just feel like race should not be a part of that. <laughs> like it just, I feel like it shouldn't be granted. If you like somebody enough, then you'll learn how to integrate yourself and like, you know, like mesh like families and things like mm-hmm. that. Cause granted, even if, you know, like if, if you and I were dating, you grew up in the Bay Area, I grew up in the Bay Area, but we were not raised the same. Like, there's going to be some differences there. So you have to learn how to deal with that stuff. It doesn't matter whether, like, I was to date another Black person or date another Latino person or whatever. It doesn't matter. So people have to make that effort in order to, regardless, like, put in the effort into the relationship. And I want to do that. Like, I want to do that. But also, like, I still feel like I haven't found the right person in order to do that because both parties need to be ready to do that. Like, you can't really be... a I wanna say you can't be afraid of it, but it can be a little bit intimidating in a sense, I yeah. think. And and both parties need to be able to be willing to like put in that effort and not use that as a reason to not entertain the idea. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I it does. And I mean I think and I don't know, I'm not gonna I don't wanna speak for for white folks, but I think sometimes there can be some fear about what is said or what, what you do because mm-hmm. there's this fear of I don't know. I mean, it, it goes both ways. <laughs> yeah, <but here. laughs> I did a white so, person and I'm just like, am I cussing too much? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what? I don't yeah, know. yeah, it's like, oh, is that, I didn't know that was racist. Sorry. Yeah, it's oh, like, like, you know, so sometimes you got to figure things out. And I mean, I guess that may take patience if there's a willingness to like, to understand those things. And in, you know, the relationships I've been in, there's there's been this complete and total willingness to like, mm-hmm. if I've said this or I've done that, like let me know or explain this to me or why this is, and like you know, there's and often sometimes you know, my white boyfriends can be you know a lightning rod in a group mm-hmm. of my friends because mm-hmm. we all you know, it, I tend to integrate my my boyfriends pretty well into my friends, which mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I don't think that's a good um, thing. I mean, at least like so they know who he yeah, is. Yeah, and it's not like yeah, they're not like oh he's hanging out with him again or whatever. So, <laughs> you know, they just they have a good time, but it, sometimes. If we're all mutual friends, then the white person can be a lightning rod for some 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 aggression, you know, that's sort of transgenerational, whatever it is, is brought up, and you know, in they've taken it well, they've you know they understand the the history and all, you know, everything comes along with with 
the behaviors that they're experiencing. It's not like mm-hmm. why is the person acting because they would, you know, that would be a, a red flag in some ways. If you're if you can't empathize, you can't understand what these people are coming from. So I think that's kind mm-hmm. of one of the the beautiful things about my current boyfriend. He's like mm-hmm. super understanding, super willing to to get these things. He wants yeah. to get these things. And I, I mean, think, he seemed chill. Like I met him. I only met him once, but like he seemed super chill. And like, but I've also met people for like about the same amount of time that I met him. I was like, oh hell no. <laughs> like, I'm just like, they just, I don't, I, I think for like a, for me, when I date a white person, I don't want to enable them to be a certain type of stereotypical type of white person that is entitled, like that stereotype, right? Like that stereotype that they have, like, oh, like all the race shit popped off, you know, last year or whatever. If I was to date a white person, I don't want that person to be thrown in that bucket. So I want you to be able to like behave accordingly. Like I have to behave accordingly when yeah. I'm involved with other people like too. Code switch. Not even code switch, but, but just like if you don't know something, don't pretend that you do. Like oh, I just I see. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like because I don't I don't code switch. I don't do that shit. Like there's times where like I'll be at work and like I have to handle things a certain type of way, but it's no not so much as code switching. It's just me handling it appropriately versus like I can't. I, mean, I work in HR. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't be like cussing all the time. So I have to like turn that shit off. But I still approach it the same way that I would just without the cuss words. So, but like for example, if if this white person is dating another a person of color, and there was this dude this past weekend, he was acting a hot fucking mess, like talking about like hip hop music and like how it's not real music and like all this other shit. I was just like, okay. Eye rolling, eye rolling. <laughs> well, I, I had to check his ass because if I was like, if I don't do it, nobody will do it. And so, and and he's not, he says like a bunch of shit like that, that will come off racist. Do I think he's a racist person? No. Does he say a bunch of racist shit? Yes. So like, I know that he's attracted to people of color. I know that he would date a person of color. I know that he would have sex with a person of color, but he also says a lot of like fucked up shit about POC culture, which it, it comes off as ignorant. It is ignorant. Because you don't know. Or it's telling in some way, right? About his perspective on things and like where he stands relative to others and especially with culture. Right. And so like if, if nobody checks him, then he just won't keep saying that shit. So it's like, no, I'm, I'm going to check your ass because that shit's unacceptable. Right. And I think that that should go both ways. It doesn't, you know, I'm not just going to do it to a white dude. But like if I dated an Asian dude or a Latino guy and he does the same fucking thing, I'm like, no, nah, like I have to check you because that shit ain't, that, it's not accurate. It's not cool. And I expect to be checked as well. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that I'm perfect or anything like that. But like, if I say something fucked up or if I say something that shit's wrong, then feel free to check me and like set me straight because that's the only way we gonna learn from each other, right? Yeah. So I don't know, but that's that's. I mean, that's true. That's fair. That's that makes sense. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this with me. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I hope everybody else enjoyed this conversation too. This is probably gonna be the longest episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an hour and a half. But yeah, feel free to listen to more episodes. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. Black, queer, unapologetic. Shades of a, shades of a, shades of a, shades of a, black boy rainbow.